Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Okay, are aliens really warm, cuddly, and here to save our sorry behinds? Could UFOs and their occupants be hostile? If they are nasty, what the hey can we do about it? Well, welcome to the 755th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM and our 11th year on the air. I'm I'm Paul. Ben is here, but he's doing the producer thing. Uh, and those bright and brilliant questions uh, really are prompted by our very interesting guest today, whom we'll introduce in a minute. Uh, today we bring you, as we say, a longtime legend in the UFO realm, and we welcome your attempts at contact today. It's 401-766-1240 from anywhere. Send emails during or after the show to paul at behindtheparanormal.com. If Stanton Friedman is the grandfather of modern UFO studies, uh, Timothy Green Beckley must be the other grandfather, um, I guess maternal, paternal, or hermaphroditic. Since he was a little nipper, Tim's life has been shot through not only with UFOs, but with the paranormal in general. These included invisible guardians, a haunted house, out-of-the-body experiences, and, of course, flying saucers. Tim's grandfather even saw a headless horseman. Good grief. Tim grew up listening to the only all-night talk show in the country that revolved around the strange and unexplained. Long John Nabel's guests included the early UFO contactees, who claimed to have visited other planets and built time machines in the desert. Years later, Tim was to appear on Long John's show himself many times, and over the years uh, has been a frequent guest on hundreds of programs which have come and gone. He has been a guest on this show many times and has, uh, and has honored us by being a guest co-host. Over the years, Tim has written over 25 books on everything from rock music to the secret MJ-12 papers. He has been a stringer for the big tabloids such as the National Enquirer, don't laugh, because I, I could tell you some good stories about that paper. An editor of over 30 different magazines. Today, he is the president of Inner Light Global Communications and editor of the Conspiracy Journal and Bizarre Bizarre. I'll spell it later. He is one of the few Americans ever to be invited to speak before closed-door meetings on UFOs presided over by the late Earl of, Clen- of Clancarty at the British House of Lords. The Inner Light Publications and Global Communications Catalog of Books and Video Titles uh, now number over 200, including the works of Tim Swartz, the late Brad Steiger, John Keel, Wendell Stevens, and many other authors, including your humble co-host. Tim's websites include ConspiracyJournal.com, TeslaSecretLab.com, YouTube channel, Mr. UFO's Secret Files. So, Tim Beckley, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you. One correction, it's 300 books now. Oh, okay. Well, I know you, you publish about three or four a month, so it's hard well, to keep I'm, up. I'm, I'm, I'm semi-retired. I'm down to doing three. <laughs> okay, very good. You're just growing um, exponentially either way. Ben, before you start, uh, your, before we you start your questions, Ben, I just wanted to uh, to uh, do a little shout out here that, that Tim would appreciate. Uh, mm-hmm. In in August of 2012, uh, it's hard to believe so many years ago. Uh, I just wanted to to mention that our, our dear friend Joe Ferrier. Uh, translated in, in August of that year, and uh, he was a, a dear friend not only of ours, but of Tim's as well, uh, and for much longer th- than with us. So um, just wanted to mention that as well. Uh, Tim, I don't know if you had any, anything to say about, you know. Well, 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 you know, 
this is the longest relationship I've ever had with any uh, station. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the air with uh, Joe. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how many years. How, how long has uh, Wound been there? Nineteen forty-six. Well, I was on after that. <laughs> yeah, 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 just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but maybe maybe only by about uh, fifteen years or something like that. You know. Yeah, you, I yeah think it's it's, 53 years, I think, was the first time you were on this station. 53 years I, ago, I, I was, I, I was, I was young. It still had acne on, uh, on my face. There's a photograph that appeared in what is now the Globe, but used to be called Midnight. And it was a pretty trashy tabloid. I remember that. Uh, and, and, yeah, in those days, a lot of crime beheadings on the cover and stuff like that. And anyway, they they did a uh, an article on uh, me and the, and I guess the show, and they they took a photograph of me and and, and Joe uh, at the uh, microphone, or maybe he sent it in. I, I don't I don't remember. That's so long ago. You know, I keep looking around for the paper. I know I have it here somewhere, but you can imagine how crumpled and yellowed uh, that would uh, be, almost as much as I am. <laughs> Well, I know uh, you begin to uh, realize your your uh, longevity by the number of books in your library signed by your friends who wrote them, and also by the clutter of the papers and things around your your, your environment. Oh, so. it, it, you you should. I mean, I actually sometimes have to go out and buy a book because I can't find it or I can't get to it. Yeah, yeah, I I've done huge, that. Yeah, I, I have a huge bookcase that. Uh, uh, it, it's not as uh, is a big. Uh, uh, I don't think quite as large as the one in your basement, but uh, it is extensive. And what happened was, is about uh, forty-five years ago, somebody built a uh, a loft bed. Uh, well, it wasn't quite that long. Built a loft bed around it, so I can't even get to the bookcase now because uh, the loft bed is in the way. Sometimes I can find the book by uh, climbing up the ladder to the loft bed and crawling on my hands and knees over to where the bookcase is and kind of digging down uh, into it. Yeah, I'm going to remember that technique uh, amidst my, <laughs> my uh, spouse's references to the Hoarders show. Uh, so, Ben, uh, um, if you care to take us away on our questions, let's, uh, let's yes, get going. Yes, let us start with a play on words, if you will. Uh, so, Tim, you have evidence that E.T. is interested in uh, more than just phoning home, Yes. Oh yeah, well, I, I guess they. I don't. Well, I, they they have used the telephone there too. A couple of things, but uh, <laughs> they uh, they come in all shapes and sizes. And apparently, when you say ET, I'm not sure uh, they are ETs. I exactly. I would prefer to think that they come uh, from somewhere very very close to um, uh, here. I mean, they're part of our environment, or maybe a parallel universe, or something along that that line. But yeah, they're they're interested in uh, in doing more than calling. They're interested in abducting and even having uh, uh, relations with the uh, individuals here on the Earth. We we have a new book uh, coming out uh, probably in about a month if I could ever finish up the uh, footnotes and things on that, which is about four hundred pages long. But that's about the average length of most of our books anyway. Mm-hmm. And it concerns uh, uh, humans and aliens and their of a it's a uh, of a sexual nature. Let's put it uh, that way. And uh, uh, this is something that's been, I think, suppressed in the uh, in the uh, UFO field. I mean, you hear, uh, of course, about these cases where people uh, like uh, Betty and Barney Hill have been abducted and they were examined. But um, a lot of people don't go into the uh, uh, the great uh, detail uh, about this. Now, 
there, there's one famous uh, case. It's Billa uh, Billa Bo, uh, Boa. Uh, he was writing his tractor uh, uh, one night. And I can't remember the exact year, but I think around 1966 or so in uh, Brazil. And he saw a you know a light, and the light landed, and uh, they dragged him aboard the ship. And there was a uh, well, a space woman, space alien, for lack of a better name. Now she wasn't the uh, the uh, the most uh, uh, beautiful woman in the universe, but she was no Miss Universe. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, 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 and and there was uh, something that uh, she had a peculiar odor about her, but that. He was mesmerized. She looked kind of like a feline-looking, uh, if I remember the details, uh, which are, are more, of course, in the, in the book. But uh, uh, he had—he uh, was put on a table. He was uh, patted down or massaged with some sort of oil, and she got on top of him, and they proceeded to have uh, the sexual intercourse. And and you, you know, in the, in the beginning, people thought, "Well, that, this is this is a crazy story. Why would?" Some other, uh, you know, uh, species uh, want to or prefer to or be able to do that with a human being. I mean, it's not like you can mix a cat and a dog uh, uh, together. You know what I'm saying? At least maybe they're doing that in some secret underground installation, as far as you can tell. But, uh, uh, you know, the true science would say that it's uh, impossible to uh, mix and, and mingle uh, uh, that way. But yet... Uh, we have an abundance of these uh, cases, and uh, more and more uh, uh, abductees are coming forward to tell of some, uh, well, it, it's a mixed uh, bag, uh, some horrendous uh, uh, cases where they're actually molested and forced uh, to have a sexual intercourse, and other cases uh, where there seems to be some uh, trust among the, uh, the two of them uh, between the, the the alien species uh, and the earth curse here. Okay. Uh, 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 yeah. If, if, I, if I can just um, kind of steer us in the direction uh, of, of the, the hostility. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's there, pretty I, hot, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand that uh, it gets a lot worse than, than uh, molestation, yes. so to speak. There are yes, actually yes. been people, are, are, you know, injured and wounded and killed. Well, indeed, yes. Uh well, many many cases of that nature. Now, that would be the book UFO Hostility and the Evil Alien Agenda. It's been out for a couple of months uh, now, and uh, it's a, a I guess I would call it a, a, a pretty serious uh, study of uh, of a lot of different instances, hundreds of instances actually, where uh, automobiles have been interfered with, uh, plane engines have been uh, conked uh, out. Uh, planes have disappeared, humans have been uh, abducted and never uh, returned, and there are quite a few cases of uh, uh, people who have actually uh, been, um, well, I don't know what the word is, uh, shot at by some sort of device. I can give a, a couple of instances uh, there. Sure. In, in fact, um, we are celebrating, if that's the proper word, the 50th anniversary of a uh, episode that took place in Falcon Lake, Manitoba, Canada, on May 19, 1967. And the case is so verifiable. Uh, the uh, Canadian uh, um, uh, Mounties, the police investigated the case. The, they said the witnesses were not lying. There was physical evidence. The uh, Canadian government just recently actually issued a, a $20 commemorative coin 
uh, depicting the uh, the incident on the the face of the back of the. Uh, really, I didn't know that. Not yeah, I had yeah, relatives who were Maldives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you can. It's a twenty dollar coin, but I understand it's going for four hundred dollars on eBay. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know exactly how that uh, works. I don't know if you could go into a store and exchange it. Why you would want to anyway? But the case. Uh, what happened was, was there was this fellow. His name was uh, Stephen Nicholson. Um, he was a, an engineer, and um, he would go out uh, prospecting for silver and for crystals in this one particular wet, rather remote uh, area that was about 100 miles from the uh, U.S.-Canadian border. And uh, one day he was out there, and he saw uh, two objects in the sky, one while giving off a red glow. One was a cigar-shaped craft, and the other one was a... Um, uh, a disc of some sort. Now, the cigar-shaped craft, as I understand it, uh, stood motionless in the sky while the other object landed on a, uh, well, they said a rock, but it, 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 a rock platform, uh, okay, and uh, it, it landed on some sort of uh, landing gear, like tripod landing gear. And uh, the witness watched this uh, from a distance, I think, of about 40 or 50 yards, and, and he thought at the time uh, fellows, that it was a, uh, a craft uh, of a secret craft of either the um, U.S. or the Russian uh, government. And he watched this for a while, and um, he took um, a, a sketch pad out of his uh, pocket. Uh, apparently, he's a pretty good artist because there are uh, drawings of what he saw on the uh, on the uh, internet that are reproduced in the in the book. And uh, then he thought he would get uh, closer to the, the craft. Well, uh, that turned out to be a mistake. Uh, he Suddenly he heard like some uh, shifting and gears grinding and a panel in front uh, opened up and he thought that maybe he could hear voices of, uh, of someone talking inside. So he wanted to get uh, closer. He wanted to uh, actually offer his assistance uh, if the object was there uh, of its own volition, fine. But if it had uh, uh, come down and landed because it, it was malfunctioning or something, he thought maybe he could help, especially being a mechanic, right? I mean, mm. come on. Uh, but that was his uh, thinking at the time. Anyway, he got within a few uh, feet of the of the crab, and all of a sudden, a blast of hot, gaseous air came out of the front of the ship and knocked him to the ground. And uh, eventually, the uh, the port and the door closed. The landing gear went up and uh, closed up, and it, it went. The object went back into the sky and was escorted out of the area by the cigar-shaped object that was still hovering there. And uh, he was he was messed up to say the least. Uh, uh, if you go to the internet or buy the book, which I hope you do, uh, you'll you'll find a photograph of him in the hospital bed. Uh, where his uh, hair had been singed, uh, his uh, cap had been uh, burned, his sh uh, shirt had holes in it, and there on his chest were, oh, it looked like a rough, uh, like a pattern uh, of, of blotches. But, I mean, really pretty bad uh, burn marks where this thing apparently had shot some sort of uh, ray or device uh, at him. And he had nausea and diarrhea and bad headaches, and uh, finally, I think I ended up going to the uh, the big hospital there in, in uh, Minnesota. It's at the uh, 
Mayo Clinic mm-hmm. uh, and uh, hospital, yes. And, and they could not find any, uh, you know, uh, uh, explanation for uh, uh, what had happened, uh, you know. So, and apparently it wasn't uh, a hoax. We have a lot of cases uh, like that. There, there's a very similar one that took place in 1953, uh, just uh, around the, the Everglades down in Florida. Uh, a scoutmaster by the name of Divergis. Uh, was driving along with three scouts in a car, uh, and uh, they were they were in the Everglades, or pretty close to it, and they saw this uh, uh, light in the sky that seemed to uh, crash or come down and land off to the right-hand side of the road in a palmetto thicket. So the scoutmaster uh, got out of the car and told the the three scouts they were teenagers. Uh, to stay in the, in the car while he went and investigated to see if possibly he could help if there were any survivors or, or if indeed something had cracked. So he goes into this uh, Palmetto thicket, and uh, lo and behold, there right above the uh, the trees uh, is this disc-shaped craft. Well, for some absolutely insane reason, he decided to take a swipe at it with his machete. <laughs> well... Ah, come on now. Uh, that was about the worst mistake I think that he or anybody else could have made because after taking a couple of pokes at it, it took a poke at him. It shot some sort of way out of the uh, the craft and knocked him to the ground and uh, I, I think knocked him unconscious for a brief period of time. And uh, the boy, uh, the boy, since they hadn't seen or heard from him, managed to get in touch with the, uh, the sheriff's department and the sheriff showed up and Finally, he comes wandering out of the uh, Palmetto uh, thicket, and he's all uh, burnt and, and bruised, and his uh, cap has been singed, and his glasses are broken, and he looks a mess. And uh, again, there was no explanation for this, or no reason uh, for him to have uh, created a hoax of any kind. Plus, you had the uh, uh, additional testimony of the uh, three uh, Boy Scouts in the car, you know Boy Scouts can't lie. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. And they they investigated the case, and uh, they thought it was uh, fairly legitimate, although I think they tried to uh, pin it on Swamp Gap or something. uh, That's an original thought. But that is, yeah. Well, especially in 1953, it would have been. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, you know, they tried to say, well, there must be an explanation for it, because certainly... They couldn't have been a craft that shot something uh, out at him. But uh, it turned out that, uh, uh, and we published this in the book, the testimony of other witnesses who did not know uh, Mr. DeVergis, who had also seen mysterious lights in that same uh, area on subsequent uh, nights. So there you go. I mean, that, that's another case. But you've got, a, you've got a lot of cases that are, I mean, th- these are individuals that have had radiation burns. you got the Cash Landrum case down in Texas which was a, uh, 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 a young boy, seven years old. Uh, there was a, uh, a woman and the, uh, the grandmother. For the, the, you know, three, genera- three generations of Landons or Cashes or whatever they were. And Stanton tells the story, I'm sure, much better than, than I do. But uh, this object that came over, it was diamond-shaped and uh, shooting fire out of the bottom of the crab. <coughs> and... Um, uh, it, it was pretty low down over the road, so much so that they could feel the heat uh, from the object, 
and they couldn't touch the car. The car had gotten overheated, you know, like metal uh, will do. Mm. And it even left a, a, a big uh, singe mark on the tar on the highway, which the road department, interestingly enough, came along like uh, two days later and covered up the, uh, the burn the mark. But the thing that makes the, uh, the case most perplexing and fascinating is the fact that at some point, 20 uh, unmarked black helicopters came along and escorted the object, uh, the, the diamond-shaped craft, shooting fire out of the area. Uh, now, uh, of course, the military denied that they were involved in any uh, such a project at the, uh, the time, and uh, uh, but yet the, the witnesses were were pretty messed up. They uh, uh, one of the women uh, lost her hair. They had their burn marks on the uh, parts of their uh, their body. And they had the same after effects of what you would get from a minor dose of uh, radiation. So, I mean, there's a three close encounters that uh, went uh, astray. Uh, and, and so uh, I guess the, the warning would be is don't get too close to a, uh, a landed or a hovering UFO uh, unless you, you know, have some uh, reasonable safeguard. No, let's keep Keep a distance is what I'm trying to, to say. Because uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, wise advice, uh, Tim. I wanted to point. First of all, greetings from uh, Tim. Uh, from yeah, greetings from uh, <laughs> Atlantic City, right? Uh, yes, exactly. Well, greetings <laughs> from uh, Kathy Martin and Bill Burns from last week's show. Uh, when we did yeah. the promo. Um, for this week's show, they were excited that you were going to be on, and, and Kathy asked me to submit some statistics when she saw the subject yes. of our show today. Uh, and I think, believe I sent these to you already. Now, we're talking about hostile UFOs and nasty experiences, things of this kind. Yes. And uh, Kathy writes, uh, Ben, do you want to read this? Sure. Uh, yeah, just... Alrighty, so Kathy uh, writes to us, um, if you discuss any of my statistics with Tim Beckley next week's show, please mention that uh, when experiencers were asked if they would like to end their uh, experiences today, 71% stated that they would not want to end their experiences, uh, 29% uh, said they would want to end their, experience, end their experiences immediately, and uh, discovered... And, and they discovered um, that a small percentage is having highly negative contact that appears to be reptilian attachments. Um, they have none of the characteristics of those who are having contact with purported extraterrestrials. Um, another finding that is consistent with academic studies is that the vast majority of experiencers stated uh, that they had become more spiritual as a result of their contacts. Well, there you have it. I, mean, I don't know what I think about reptilians, but I mean, what, what's what's your opinion on that? On well, well, now, well now, rep, reptilians we always associated with uh, the uh, inner earth uh, mystery. Uh, uh, Richard uh, Shaver, who had a quite a fan base back in the 1940s and 1950s, uh, insisted that there was a uh, an ancient cavern system that circled the uh, the planet, and the part of the uh, this cavern system was inhabited by an evil race that he called the Dero. And and these uh, Dero were responsible for kidnapping uh, and torturing the humans and things along that line. And they were described uh, basically in some cases as being reptilian. So that's what I always think of uh, as reptilian. But uh, there are a number of cases where people claim that they have been uh, uh, abducted and had... Um, uh, what would I call it, an exchange of 
uh, information, if not more, with the, the, these uh, scaly creatures. I, I don't know. They, you know, if you believe all these stories, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's so many different types. I, I think somebody said that there's 70 races of aliens visiting Earth. Well, I don't know how you exactly try to <laughs> count them. It, it's, it, sound, it sounds like a lineup in here, Shorty, or something. Yeah, like right. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. But, but you, you get you, you get back what you put into it. And I hate to be uh, uh, negative uh, uh, about this, but, you know, I, uh, I think she's probably quoting the research of uh, Edgar Mitchell's organization, Free. Uh, I uh, believe it was MUFON, actually, the uh, Mutual oh, UFO Network's uh, experiencer okay. survey that... Okay, well, had we, we, had Ray, we had Ray Hernandez on our uh, uh, show, it's quite sure. a bizarre piece of late. And he, uh, the organization that was started by uh, uh, the late uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell, uh, has like a 2,000 page report. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating that a little. Uh, 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 I know, they did a survey of 2,000 abductees, or people that have had a conscious recollection of experiences with UFOs. And uh, they get a very favorable uh, response. But I, I say to you uh, that they are associated also with John Mack's uh, organization up here in New England. Of course, he's since deceased. But yeah. John Mack took a very uh, spiritual, meditative uh, approach to the subject. And so people that had uh, positive experiences are likely to have contacted him. Other researchers, on the other hand, such as Dr. David Jacobs and Bud Hopkins, get just the opposite uh, results. They get very negative uh, uh, results from people who come visit them. You go to see uh, the the doctor or the philosopher that best suits you. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what that, that, that's that's what I say about that. It's like. Uh, if you want to report a, a, a man in black experience, uh, in the old days you would come to me because I had written a couple of books on the subject. It didn't seem like anybody else was interested in taking such a report because they were considered a nonsense. Uh, today it probably would be uh, different because he's done uh, three books on the uh, on the, uh, the topic. So uh, my feeling is you, you get back what you put into it. Okay. And, uh, so if you put very you know you take a very positive approach, those are the people that are going to come and uh, take your survey and give you the positive feedback. Uh, if you have a negative experience, you're not going to go to uh, Ray Hernandez's uh, uh, you know free group. You're going to go uh, to see uh, well you're not going to go see Bud Hopkins, but uh, you're going to go to Dr. Jacobs or some of these other uh, hypnotists out there. Of course, now that brings up the question of hypnosis. How um, reliable uh, it is. That's the thing. Great. Yeah. Well, you and I both. Actually, we're going to take our break now. When we come back, we can talk a bit about that. And I also want to get into the 1952 uh, UFO Air Force encounters as well. So you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. And our fascinating guest today, our good friend, there he is, <laughs> Tim Beckley. So we'll be right back. Hey, music lovers, Frank and I are rolling again. I'm Dave Russell inviting you to Sunday with Sinatra from 10 a.m. to noon. Gee, what a catchy name. But more importantly, catch all of Frank's great ballads and swing numbers from his prime years. That covers a lot of territory, my friends, but... 
11 a.m. and FM are the only spots where you'll find two straight hours of Frank's incomparable music. You can actually understand the words, especially when Frank sings them. Come on in. The music's fine every Sunday from 10 a.m. to noon. And we're back behind the paranormal with our great guest, Tim Beckley, today. And we are going to talk about uh, our um, UFO uh, situations here and also with the charities Ben and I have adopted. We'll mention those during the announcement period at the end of the show. Uh, and we'll uh, continue now with our conversation. Yes, Tim, um, just to, I guess, finish up our thought, um, yeah, I have my own doubts about surveys. I think people very often say what they think the surveyor wants to hear. And uh, Well, statistics can also be used to support literally any argument. That's right. So it's, I mean, you know, statistics are actually, they may seem like they're great data, but it's like most of it is just, you know, you can use, you can find any statistic anywhere to support yeah. any sort of argument. It's a start, yeah. but not the finish, perhaps. Okay, Tim. Uh, now, in Ooh. 1952, when our good friend uh, Frank Faschino points this out, he's written a, a very interesting book about it and written extensively. In 1952 uh, and around that period, there were a lot of um, negative encounters between seemingly hostile UFOs and uh, Air Force craft, uh, perhaps because maybe they got hostile because they were being fired upon, but be that as it may, supposedly several pilots lost their lives and there were a lot of things hushed up. I re- before you answer, I, I remember as, as, a, as a young uh, wee lad in central Connecticut, uh, I grew up in East Hartford, and about eight miles south of there in the town of Glastonbury, there had been a crash of a... Um, uh, Air Force craft that supposedly had been involved in the um, UFO encounters in that area. And uh, a few years later, I wasn't born in 52, but a few years later when I was born, or I was born the following year, uh, the kids were still talking about it in, in the whole area. And supposedly the plane had run out of gas uh, and crashed. Now, for a plane to run out of fuel, air, military, that doesn't happen and in Maybe perhaps in, in extreme combat circumstances, but not not over U.S. territory in a controlled situation. But uh, and there was an explosion and a fire in the woods. Now, if the plane had been out of gra- I mean, that's what burns when a plane crashes is the fuel. So there was fuel aboard and that sort of thing. So wh- what have you to say about the 1952 encounters and how they might reflect on upon, on the uh, diplomatic issues between the U.S. Air Force and whatever was flying these UFOs? Well, there, there were there were any number of uh, cases. In fact, uh, in the um, book, uh, there's a fellow he's since deceased, but I, I knew him for a year. Uh, George uh, D. Fawcett uh, lived in New England, uh, uh, actually originally. Uh, he was the head of one of the local uh, YMCA's. That's what he did for a uh, living. He was a, a career uh, counselor or something along that line, and. Uh, he wrote uh, extensively. Well, I went to visit him several, uh, several times when I was a teenager. I was 16, 17 years old. He drove off to uh, Easton, uh, Pennsylvania. He had a massive collection of uh, UFO uh, uh, photographs and albums and stuff. And he was a very astute uh, researcher. And he had collected all these uh, cases, I guess, like kind of like Charles Fort must have sat there in the uh, uh, library all day long, or just the... Uh, uh, you know, newspapers and clippings and the microfilm and, and so forth. And he had a, an extensive, uh, extensive collection of uh, cases where, uh, well, even going back to World War One uh, and World War Two, where these things had chased our our, our planes, our fighter pilots, and uh, some of them had actually gotten inside the the cockpit 
the little miniature blowing uh, balls or orbs or whatever you want to call them, uh, conked out the, uh, you know, the, uh, the engines of the planes in some instances. Now, uh, the best known uh, report uh, that I actually uh, re- I remember, um, uh, you know, because it was a movie made in 1956 called UFO, three letters, okay. Hmm. And it was a, 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 a kind of a document, a reenacted uh, docu- uh, documentary that uh, centered on the early days of, of UFO uh, uh, sightings. It had some um, motion picture footage that had been taken, one by, a, uh, I think it was a, a softball uh, a, a coach uh, or manager of a team in Montana, another one down in Florida, and they showed... Uh, you know, a fleet of odd, both of them showed a fleet of uh, silvery type of objects going across the sky, and the Air Force had to admit they have no explanation for it. You couldn't put it on the balloons or the planet uh, of Venus. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, in the late 1940s and the early 1950s, there was a, I, I don't know if you would call it UFO hysteria, but much more so than there is now. Uh, one of the, uh, the cases that got uh, some attention because uh, it caused a military plane to crash, and uh, the pilot to uh, be killed in the, uh, you know, the, among the wreckage. It uh, took place in uh, the state of Ohio, uh, January seventh, nineteen forty-eight. A couple of members of the Highway Patrol, I think about maybe ten a.m. or, or eleven in the morning, had seen this uh, object uh, over Madisonville. Uh, it was uh, said to be circular in about 300 feet in diameter. Well, they called uh, Goddard Military uh, uh, Base, uh, and up in the control tower, they tried to get a, uh, uh, you know, a lock on the uh, uh, on the object visually, but I don't think they saw anything, but maybe the radar was picking up some unidentified uh, blips. So it just happened to be that um, they had a squadron of planes up in the, uh, up in the air, and uh, one of the pilots, Captain Thomas Mantell, uh, decided to take off uh, after the object and get a better look at it. And he described it as being as glowing and being enormous inside. And he got very close to it. And apparently, the plane malfunctioned for some reason or another, and the plane crashed, and he was uh, killed. Now. Okay, the explanation for it was is that uh, he uh, did not have enough oxygen. Uh, you know, he was wearing a, a flight helmet, I guess, with the oxygen. Uh, and he ran out of oxygen or something, so he passed out of the controls and was not able to maneuver the plane uh, any longer, and it plummeted to the ground and crashed. Uh, but there were the visual sightings uh, before and then, uh, afterwards, and... Uh, I, I do believe they tried to blame it on a, a, a weather balloon, which after the planet of Venus is your second, uh, uh, you know, a, a mundane uh, explanation. I don't know. I, I, very many people actually have ever seen a weather balloon. I mean, I've seen party balloons and stuff, but unless you <laughs> uh, live close to a, um, uh, you know, a, a military base that's doing well, you know. Well, I saw it on the yeah, yeah, well, okay. But, yeah, okay, so... Uh, you know, it's an explanation, but anyway, the plane crashed, so I, I do put that under, you know, hostile uh, intentions on the part of either the uh, weather balloon or uh, upon the uh, alien you know, craft, 
And and then there were, like I say, other uh, sightings in Ohio and Michigan around the same time, and uh, people were, I don't know if they were exactly panicking, but they uh, they were they were frightened about what was going on, you know. But even even going back just a little further, uh, in 1942, there was an incident that caused uh, quite a stir uh, of a, a very large object that hovered over uh, Culver City, California, which is a suburb oh, yeah. of Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, there's a very famous photograph has been, uh, you know, reprinted many, many times, of an object that uh, is caught in the searchlight of, uh, of beacons, you know, from the ground. And the military, uh, well, three people were killed, not directly caused by the UFO, but I would uh, consider this a UFO hostility. Uh, even if the UFO didn't drop the bombs themselves, the uh, the military shot 300 uh, uh, cannon cannon shots at the, uh, the object, and the artillery shells landed on people's roofs and in their backyard. And, uh, two people died from that. One person died, I think, from a fire, and one person had a heart attack. Yeah. And uh, and this were you know, thousands of people were out uh, and, uh, and, and saw this and witnessed this. And uh, I don't know as if there was ever really, a sat- certainly no satisfactory explanation uh, uh, for the incident in, in uh, question. Now, uh, Jose Escamilla, who's done, you know, research on the rods, I guess that's what he's best known for. He's actually uh, working on a movie now. Uh, he's a filmmaker, uh, a movie on this particular incident. And he's found, you know, some witnesses that are still alive or he has take, uh, you know, testimony uh, from them and so forth. And, and I think that this is, uh, again, we have to put this in the hostility uh, category, even if we are the ones that did, uh, you know, they took the, the pot shots at the object because it did, it caused the death of, of several, uh, uh, people. But we've had airplanes that have, uh, you know, like, uh, gone up to, uh, uh, to chase these UFOs and they've merged with the object on the radar screen, never to be seen, uh, again. Uh, some of the objects have dropped down into the ocean and the planes were never found and the pilots were never rescued and mm-hmm. uh, all because of UFO, uh, you know, Sighting. In fact, there's a there's a very interesting uh, story that I like to tell that's related in the book. Uh, Carol Lombard, who was the actress in the 1930s, she was married to Terry Grant, and she was on a, um, uh, a a private airplane. They were traveling around the the country trying to sell, I, I believe, like war bonds. You know, the, uh, that was popular at the, uh, at the time. And there had been a string of uh, sightings uh, of, of some weird objects in the mountains uh, near, I think, the Grand Canyon. And uh, on the night that the plane took off, there were, I think, 37 people on board the plane. They were all killed. Uh, the pilot apparently had seen the three objects off in the, the distance, you know, up above the, the mountains, and, and decided to go and investigate on his way to whatever next town that he was going to, and something pulled him down into the mountain crevice, and they all uh, died. Uh, now, it's also verified, actually, in the FBI documents that I've, that I've seen, and there are other people that testified, and put their testimony in the book, who saw... Uh, you know, strange things uh, up in the uh, near the, the mountains where the UFOs apparently uh, uh, were observed. Some people thought it was uh, campers up there setting fire, you know, like uh, 
campfires and things along that line, but there was no satisfactory explanation uh, for this. Let a case of a, a celebrity who might have uh, uh, died along with uh, several dozen other people because of the uh, nature of UFOs. Okay. I'm thinking, too, of the Travis Walton case, getting into more of the civilian cases, uh, where Travis, I believe it was 1975, they were on a lumber crew in Arizona, and huge craft, and he went toward it, and the other fellows said, don't go near it, and something, a beam came out and, and hit him and threw him back, and it looked at, for all intents and purposes, like he was attacked. Uh, and then he disappeared for three days and uh, had all kinds of weird experiences. Now, today... Travis says, or at least so he tells me, that he thinks that they were trying to help him, that he got too yes, close I to some that. sort of electrical field and, and bingo, and then they took him in to try and help him. So that's what he believes today. So uh, the, the, the question arises, there are many, many different kinds of aliens reported. I just had a long conversation with Calvin Parker uh, of the Pascagoula. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to be speaking. Yeah, I, I, I met him uh, during his uh, book out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, during his hiatus, when he didn't talk to anybody for, what, 30 years or 40 years or something, I actually met the man. He came and spoke in one of my UFO conferences in in Arizona. I was just lucky. I got him on the phone, and I said, I'll send you a ticket. You want to come? And he did. Okay. Uh, you know, so I was Lovely person. person. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he'll be on the show in the fall, but he was he was saying that uh, you know this this experience was very strange and all all this business. So he describes very odd kinds of uh, everybody seems not almost almost everybody seems to describe the grays and this sort of thing. But there seem to be a, a, um, even synthetic or mechanical creatures. Yes. There are different kinds of. Uh, aliens, whatever aliens may be, whether they're extraterrestrials yes. or, as you say, yeah, extraterrestrials. I, I call them ultra, ultra, ultra ter- terrestrial. Because, yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't, not, come on, they can't be coming from, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, we've got 70 races of beings coming here from, uh, you know, uh, other planets throughout the whole uh, glob of the uh, the universe. It just doesn't, and they don't be at, Okay, you don't expect him to exactly uh, act like Buzz Aldrin would be, uh, you know, when he landed on the moon or something yeah. like that. But they, they're so peculiar and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, it's too, it's like your ghost cases and your older guy. It doesn't fit any rational pattern. I agree, yeah. But the point is that there may be some that are, by our definition, hostile. And I think we have to yeah. define what we mean by hostile. Just because it's bad for us doesn't mean they're being deliberately hostile. And others who might be neutral, and others who might be yeah. uh, helpful. I mean, it's almost a religious dictum that, that there are, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to say, as, as we said in the beginning, going to kind of save our, our sorry behinds. You know, well, they, they, haven't, they, haven't done, they haven't done that, though. You know, no. they, they, keep, they keep whistling Dixie, to be, <laughs> uh, uh, to be honest with you, you know. They claim they're going to land at a certain time, and they're going to do this or that or the other thing, and it's it's a false, it's fake news. I mean, it's 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 false, uh, you know, a prophecy. Very little of what they claim. Uh, okay, they talk about the Earth and uh, and turmoil and and climate change and things like that, but we could figure that out maybe on their uh, on their own. And of course, they're always worried about the proliferation of uh, nuclear, uh, uh, you know. Uh, energy and war, uh, wars and stuff, like, it's something that's going to direct them, uh, you know, uh, directly, uh, affect them directly. 
I mean, if the, uh, the Earth blew up uh, tomorrow, uh, you know, I mean, how's it going to affect them if they live uh, 8 zillion trillion uh, light years away, uh, you know, yeah. in somewhere somewhere else? Uh, uh, it, it would take, uh, you know, 2,000 years or 5,000 years or 20 million years, even for the light of the destruction of the planet, to be seen by them. Yeah, uh, Ben, you want to get in here? Um, well, I am in here. Okay, well, in the sense of uh, figuratively and uh, verbally. Well, I think that, I don't know, the, the thing I've been thinking about for this pretty much the, the entire conversation is really perspective, right? So how we view things that happen to us, you know, we don't really view it objectively. So, um, or really, is is there such such a way to view such an experience as objective would be, would be the first question. Because, really, we have no clue what's going on in the first place. You know, every day is the first day of school. So, you know, a lot of... Uh, I feel like, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting that a lot of these experiences lead to some sort of spiritual enlightenment, quote-unquote. So, I think... I think that's a little odd because it turns almost into like a religious a religious thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, people people will will talk about, you know, the the greats in the UFO field as if they're like saints or something like that. Yeah, that's how people talk about Tim. Yes. Yes, Tim. Yeah, the, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll be on again in a couple of months if you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, not to not to speak of it in a derogatory sense because it's like, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a life-changing experience for people. But the way it sort of gets attached, people can get attached to it in an un- unhealthy way. So it's like, you know, people will go to these conferences as if it's like, you know, they're going to Mecca or something. Mm. Where it's like, it's it's almost like a, like a pilgrimage of sorts. Which, you know, like I said, there's, you know, it's it's how it's how it's viewed and how you attach yourself to the experience. Which for some people, hey, it could work, you know. It could be, it could be healthy, but, you know, on the outside it just seems like, what if everything that you experienced isn't exactly what it is? Yeah, exactly. So to speak. I remember uh, one of the few things uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren ever taught me that I ended up agreeing with in the end was be suspicious of anything that tells you what to do. Be suspicious of anything that um, tries to govern your life. And uh, you know what I'm saying there, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Uh, this is, in fact, uh, what I uh, uh, try to uh, to point out. I mean, you can't get overwhelmed uh, uh, by this. Although, I suppose if you're taken on board a UFO and you have an experience like Travis Bolton uh, or something far worse, it, it's going to weigh heavily on your mind. I mean, there's uh, there's no doubt about uh, that, you know. But uh, it, it does have. It, it is very strange. Now, the late Brad Stagger, who, of course, is friends with both of. Uh, you know, he wrote about uh, how uh, uh, Divine Fire uh, was one of the books that he uh, uh, wrote uh, about how people, lives were changed uh, and some of them had a, what we would call a religious or a spiritual experience after their UFO, but that on the other hand, other people were also uh, possessed. I mean, every once in a while you hear about a case of somebody who goes, you know, berserk and knocks somebody off and they blame it on that. Uh, uh, you know, either the devil or some uh, alien being. I, I, you know, it can, it can work. It can work uh, either way uh, uh, for you. And uh, people believe, I guess, to some extent, what they want to believe. Precisely. Mm-hmm. And, and and after 50 years of doing this, uh, you know, my conclusion is is that we don't have uh, any conclusion to make at this uh, point. But the uh, now recently, you know, the um, 
New York Times uh, back in December read that uh, article on, um, uh, you know, the UFOs and how $20 million had been sent on a, uh, a secret uh, uh, project. But what they didn't, uh, I, I think many people uh, failed to, to uh, read uh, in, the, uh, in the article, is that part of the million, uh, $20 million was actually spent uh, with the, uh, the witnesses, like uh, talking to the witnesses and uh, finding out psychologically and physiologically uh, what effect the, the UFO encounters uh, had. You know, I mean, uh, uh, they didn't see it as a very positive uh, uh, thing. I mean, they didn't have uh, 2,000 people coming back to them and saying that they had had a, a, a uh, you know, a religious or a spiritual experience. They seem to think that, uh, well, in fact, uh, according to Nick Redford and all, who's written on this, uh, uh, there are many people in the military who believe that the UFOs should be covered up not because of any great scientific discovery that the public might find out about, but that it would open the portal to hell and the devil would come through. Yeah, I've heard that theory. Yeah. You could put that. Has, you could put that in other terms. It would sound very credible. You know? yeah. yeah. Yes, you could. And I, I've tried. I have tried to do that. I have a book out called "Round Trip to Hell and a Flying Saucer." There you go. I, that's one I haven't read. <laughs> Tim, uh, we're almost out of time here. Tell us about your yeah. books, your website, and uh, oh, do all kinds of shameless uh, self-promotion. Uh, have I got another hour? Okay. <laughs> well, we we do a show, uh, uh, Exploring the Bazaar, which is on every Thursday night on KCORradio.com. And we have a YouTube channel where everything is archived, and our friend Peter adds a, uh, animation and pictures and stuff to make it visual. And that's Mr. UFO's Secret Files. And we have interviews with probably about 400 ufologists and paranormal uh, types, including a, a call. And uh, our website would be conspiracyjournal.com. If you go to Amazon, just type in my name, uh, Timothy Beckley, and uh, all these amazing books and covers will show up. And then you can order from them and get your book in two days, or you can order from me and I'll throw you a free uh, DVD. I don't know. Uh, I'll take I'll take care of you. Very That's good. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh, so, what? Uh, just uh, do you have any final thoughts on this rather confusing subject? Um, you know, are, are the hostility. I mean, well, what should people do if they have a UFO encounter? I mean, should they expect? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, okay, okay, and, and, okay. In most of these cases, you don't have the opportunity to make a choice. Mm. I, I mean, you know, if you're at the wrong place or the right place at the wrong or the right time, uh, that that's that's what it is. Now, uh, if people, a lot of people, you know, if you go to YouTube, you see all these people who are taking the video cams of uh, lights in the sky. I mean, I think they hardly really matter about anything except proving that there are unidentified objects and lights in the sky, which we know. I mean, there've been for thousands of years there have been things floating around up there and down here that you can't uh, put your, your finger on. You know, I mean, you can guess and you can speculate. we got a lot of speculation here, uh, uh, guys, because we got enough guests to fill our, our, our shows. You know, I mean, uh, there's always somebody that's got a new theory or a new idea or that 70 race of aliens will become 71 next week. And uh, uh, I don't know. I, I would just say, uh, you know, like if you're, uh, if you're there and it has a positive effect on your life, well, that, that's great, uh, you know, too. Uh, 
and, and keep in touch with them. Okay. Uh, there are a lot. There are a lot of people UFO repeaters. The camera doesn't lie. That's another book. Uh, and some people who seem to attract these things like a magnet. Uh, you know, they they look outside the window and there's a UFO hovering there. And a lot of the a lot of cases like that, and they they seem to be for the most part they're pretty uh, uh, positive. So don't put your uh, your eggs or your disc shaped objects all in one basket. <laughs> okay, Timothy Greenbeckley, Renaissance man. Thank you, sir, and we will talk to you very soon. You bet. Okay. All right. Our announcements, folks. Two weeks from now on Labor Day weekend, September 1st and 2nd, Ben and I will return to the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire. Along with us, speakers will include none other than Kathleen Marden, Peter Robbins, Mark D'Antonio, filmmaker Jennifer Stein, Bob Bob Terrio, Mike Stevens, Shane Searway, among others. Our subject on Saturday will be, quote, Aliens and Exorcism, Why Do Supposedly Possessed People Report UFO Experiences? On Sunday, we'll do our third annual on-location broadcast of Behind the Paranormal from Exeter Town Hall with a panel of the speakers and a live audience. The event is great as a great fundraiser annually for the Kiwanis Club Children's Charities in southern New Hampshire. Last year it raised over $9,000. Find out more at ExeterUFOFestival.org. Now I must say, uh, before we move on to Columbus Day, that, that the, this is a spur-of-the-moment thing. On the previous evening, this will be August 31st, the night before the Exeter UFO Festival begins, uh, I, I, I don't know if Ben can make it, but I, I, I will be there at the, uh, play, I believe it's pronounced Playsto, I've always pronounced it Playsto, New Hampshire Public Library. Uh, at the invitation of the uh, one of the library officials who cannot be at the Exeter UFO conference, so this is going to, I guess, I suppose, be sort of a uh, an informal, unofficial uh, promo or introduction to the UFO festival for anyone who would like to make it. That's at 5 p.m. Funny time on a Friday night, but given the festival arrangements, that's what we have to do. Uh, and I'll be speaking about uh, the UFOs and weird things in New Hampshire. And uh, some of the other speakers may be able to stop by and meet uh, whoever is attending this event. So uh, that's going to be kind of an unofficial lead-in. So, Ben, what we get? We have Columbus Day weekend. So, Columbus Day weekend, uh, that's October 5th and 6th. Uh, we will once again be speaking at the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts, and their topic is Aliens with or Without UFOs. And you can find out more at NewEnglandUFO.com. Uh, it's back to the Danbury, Connecticut Library once again on Saturday, October 13th for the third annual Western Connecticut UFO Conference. Watch BehindTheParanormal.com for more information on that. Uh, my next book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, and Parallel Worlds, has gone to the publisher. Um, not sure when it will be released. It'll be sometime next year. And even if the title will stay in one piece, we'll see about that. But we'll keep you posted on that. Our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is finally available as an e-book on Amazon, Kindle, and Apple iTunes. And it's available in stores as well as, as, well as on the usual online suspects. Uh, you can get all our books in print form as well, but if you order them online at either of our two websites, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com, we'll be happy to autograph them for you. And at BehindTheParanormal.com, you can find uh, more about our show um, and all the info about it and um, our many cases over the years, public appearances, and you can find nearly 800 free recorded shows from the past 10 years, and that's all for free 
including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And please check out the charities that we've adopted, USACares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, YouthMentoringConnection.org, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Special page for that. Indeed. So, Ben, what do we have cooking for next week? So, next weekend, which is uh, August 26th, we will welcome the aforementioned Tim Schwartz on the strange case of Nikola Tesla. Okay. Uh, we'll leave you this afternoon with what I think is a profoundly beautiful quote from the 14th century Persian poet Hafiz. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.